0: Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Have you ever seen one of those massive leather wallets that makes the carrier look like they're carrying a massive brick in their back pocket? How about one of those ladies' wallets? That, in many cases, they're pretty ridiculous as well. I like to think of my mother when she says she wants to carry or travel light, and then she ends up bringing something that looks like a suitcase anyways. It has so many things in there, so it really makes no difference to me. When I think of a crypto wallet, a lot of times this is what I picture. Something is just storing all of these NFTs, all of these coins, but just the digital version of those huge wallets. After all, wallets hold things, right? Yes, however, crypto wallets don't hold what most people think they do. Today we're going to break down some myths about crypto slash NFT wallets, they're really the same thing, but some people say NFT wallets, other people say crypto wallets, and we're going to discuss the different types. I'll start by saying your NFT, your cryptos, such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, or I should say Ether, Sol, Tezos, Wax, or whatever coin that you want to hold, they're actually not in your wallet. And before you panic, let's just define what a wallet is, these crypto wallets anyways in the simplest terms that I could possibly think of, a crypto wallet is simply software and it holds your private and public keys. And if you're not familiar with this term, the public key is usually that address that you share with everyone when they want to send you an NFT or when there is a contest or when you're logging into a website or you see on the top of OpenSea or whichever platform that you're on. Normally that public key is very visible, easy to be displayed and shared, copied and pasted and sent. However, The private key is the thing that everyone says do not share that with anyone. And the job of the crypto wallet is to hold those two things. But if you're not really familiar with the whole concept, let me break down, give you the best analogy that I could possibly think of. It is a PayPal account. If you're someone who uses PayPal, your email address is the simplest way. You can also use your phone number. So whichever one you prefer. That is something that you can give out. It is pretty publicly available. And that is what is associated with that particular PayPal account. However, the private key is like the password to that account. So when you go to paypal.com and you're getting ready to log in, whether you're using your phone number or your email address, it does no one any good unless they have your password. They can log into that account. That way they can make transactions, purchases, send it to friends or whatever it might be. And that's just like having the public and private key. But if you're not someone who's familiar with using PayPal, it's been around since the 90s. However, a lot of people still don't use it. If you're really old school, that would be like a check. So on the bottom of a check actually has your bank account number publicly available. It's printed on the bottom of every check. has your routing number and your bank account number. However, knowing that information is not much good without the signature. So the private key is like that signature that you put on the bottom of the check that makes it worth something or spendable. So, if you give out your private key, that's like signing a whole bunch of blank checks and just leaving them all over the place for anyone to spend. Or, if you're a little bit more modern, not so much in the checks, maybe you're into the debit card or credit card. Granted, you don't necessarily plaster this everywhere or give it out, but when you do go to a website or you go to a store, it is very easily available to whoever is scanning it or using it and can put it into the system or whatever it might be, making an order over the phone. So, That is like your public key. However, the private key is like that PIN number or password to get into that account, just like the PayPal. In order to access all of that, make changes to the account, send funds, withdraw it at the ATM, you're going to need additional access. And that's why they tell you not to share that with anyone. Do not keep it in your purse or with the card. And it's really the same concept. So next is to really understand the different types of wallet. And there's really three. They're custodial wallets, hot wallets, and cold wallets. A custodial wallet is really a hot wallet. However, it is held at usually an exchange or somewhere that has the private and public keys for you. Normally, how you access this is by signing in, whether it be by email, a phone number or a username. You don't have to worry about those long strings of keys or understanding all the structures or what needs to be copied and pasted because they handle that information. And the most common place to find this is at the exchange. If you're buying your crypto from Coinbase, Binance, Kraken, FTX, Crypto.com, any of those major exchanges, that is a custodial wallet because when you fund it with from your bank account, your credit card, or your debit card, whatever the fiat currency or another crypto is coming from, and it goes onto their exchange, they hold both private and public key. You never see that. And how you access it, you just simply log in. And in truth, a custodial wallet, gives that organization the full permission to use that funds. So that is how these funds are locked down. They're able to be seized, sort of like a frozen bank account. And sure, you can assume that this is a reputable organization. However, if something happens, such as a war as we saw with Russia versus Ukraine, the exchange can lock up those funds. So the pros of it is you don't have to worry about all the technical details. It is very easy. You just log into it just like a bank account or email address, anything that we're already used to. However, the downside, the cons, is that they can really hold on to the funds. Or if it is a sketchy organization, they can spend your funds. Now, when you truly want to own your crypto or your NFTs and everything, it is a wallet such as MetaMask, Anchor, Phantom or many others, depending on which blockchain you're on, where you actually have the public and private keys. No other individual or third party knows that information but you. And this usually comes in the form of either a browser extension or software that goes on your computer. And we call it a hot wallet because it is always connected to the internet. The pros of this is that it is much more secure. You're the one who actually holds those keys. So those funds cannot be seized. They cannot be locked down or taken from you. Unless, of course, you give out your private key. However, the cons is that it is always connected to the internet. Therefore, it could be subject to a virus or some sort of malicious attack or if someone has access to your device. In theory, they can get into your wallet. And compared to a custodial wallet, if you have any kind of technical issues like you forget a password or anything like that, well, there's no customer service to call. There is no one that can reset your password or let you back in. If you forget your private keys, you forget the seed phrase that you used to set it up as a recovery phrase, I should say. That's the new word that they're going to now. They mostly used seed phrases for older wallets and people that have been in the space, but now they have really changed that terminology to recovery phrase. If you forget that, there is nothing anyone can do for you because no one else knows that. And lastly, there is the cold wallet. And usually this comes in the form of a USB stick. Or some sort of device that connects to either your phone or your computer. However, it only looks and operates like a USB stick. Nothing is really stored on it. It's not like a memory card where you plug it in and download everything onto it of that nature. That is what a lot of people like to think. However, that is not really how it works. Just like those hot wallets, the browser wallets, it just stores the private and public keys. That's it. It's just a fancier way of doing it. A little bit more secure way. And gives you something physical to touch. The only thing that's really stored on this thing is the keys, the private and public keys. And another form of a cold wallet, which is a lot more secure, however... It is much more difficult to use. It's something they call a paper wallet, which is the same thing. It is a cold wallet. It is offline. And it's as it sounds, it is a piece of paper where the public and private keys are manually written down. That way, it has never been online. There's no way to access that. And anytime someone wants to do an actual transaction or interact with those funds, they have to type in all of those characters, both the public and the private keys to get online. So these cold wallets, as I said, they're offline, they're much more secure, not subject to hacking as much as a hot wallet that's always connected to the internet. And of course, there's still no customer service or anything of that nature, because you have the private keys, there's no one else that you can call for help. But in particular, the ones that are USB drives, they could run pretty expensive, anywhere from $70 up to $100 entry point right now, at least from a reputable manufacturer such as Ledger or Trezor. However, a paper wallet, well, that's free, technically. I guess you do have to have the piece of paper and a pen or whatever you're going to use because it's really not recommended to only store it on pen and paper simply because it could be rain, water damage, anything of that nature. But maybe you have several copies in several locations, but I'm not even going to go into all of that because really it doesn't even get to that point unless you have millions or billions of dollars in this and you get to the point where you need to be that secure. So that is by far the most secure, but it is also the most difficult because you have to manually write down all of those digits and characters and that could be a headache in itself. But these cold wallets are definitely the most secure. All right. So if the wallet only contains those two things, the public key and the private key, well, where's the crypto and where are the NFTs? And unfortunately, as much as I opened up with this thing and like to envision and picture that whole massive wallet with just NFTs and coins falling out of it, well, that's not true. The NFTs are actually just stored on the blockchain. And truthfully, that's the best place for it to be anyways, because as we like to say in Web3, in the blockchain we trust, no central party, no middleman, immutable, incorruptible, all of these things are words that we use to describe the blockchain. And that's where all of this stuff is stored. So technically, when you're sending it around, it really doesn't move. It's just the wallet or the keys, I should say, that it is associated with. And think of it this way. It's like an interbank transfer. So let's just say both you and your friend have an account at Bank of America. And you want to transfer $100 into her account. You log in and you send that information right there on the website. And technically, the money doesn't move. It's not like Bank of America tells one of the representatives or the tellers to go to the safe and move the cash from your box into her box. The money just stays wherever it is. However, it is now associated with her account instead of your account. I hope that's a clear illustration. It may not be 100% perfect, but it gets the job done. So I guess the question is, do you own it? Is it yours? Well, pretty much in every one of these cases, technically it is yours. However, as I explained, the custodial wallet Since they have the keys, we like to say, if you don't have the keys, it's not yours. But in the case of the hot wallet and the two cold wallets, well, yeah, you're in full control of that ownership of whatever property it is. It just happens to be stored on the blockchain and it doesn't move from there. So why do they even use the term wallet if it's not technically storing all of the things? I personally think, this is just my theory, this is not like some... uh, scholarly research or anything. I just think that it is a great way to envision and associate all of this stuff as far as digital ownership, just as we have the idea of a wallet as that is your private ownership. So I think... The word wallet just pictures all of that. So just as I opened up speaking about the wallet with the coins and things falling out, I think a lot of people when they associate, yes, I have the digital ownership of this particular NFT or digital asset, it is mine, it is not something that can be copied or associated with another person. I think a wallet just sort of pictures all of that. So is it 100% accurate to use that word? Not really. However, I think it conveys the entire message of Web3 of digital ownership. So I don't have any issue using it. But if you really want to get technical anyways, the fact that they store the private key and the public key, you could say that it is a wallet. It's just not really holding the crypto and the NFTs how was that explanation? Was that very clear for you? Because I know most people that I speak to when they're speaking about wallets and NFTs and crypto, and trust me, even I say it when I'm just speaking off the top of my head, a lot of the time I'll say, well, it moves in your wallet or out of your wallet or you're sending it to your wallet or things like that. But technically, it's not going into your wallet. So I would love to know, was that clear for you? Was that a good explanation? Please feel free to reach out to me at Tropic Vibes. If you have any other further questions, I'd be more than happy to clear it up. If I said something wrong, feel free to let me know. Or if I made things more confusing, it would be greatly appreciated. Any feedback is welcome. But as usual, I want to thank you for taking the time for listening to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until the next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space.